The Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Emma Bard and Julian Rogers. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 445. It's November the 9th, 2020. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Emma Buss. And uh, this month, we've got a really good deal from our friends at Sonox. You can save up to 75% on any of their plugins during their seasonal scissor sale. Try saying that quickly. Sonox are offering up to 75% off some of their plugins with 50% across the board. So things like Sonox Inflator, it's like less than 30 bucks. I mean, it's like Sonox at um, bargain prices. So um, if you've not tried Sonox, check out the demos and uh, grab the opportunity because this offer, which they tend to only do once a year, will finish uh, on the 3rd of December. And also on our deals page, we've got some deals from Avid. They've got some new plugins uh, from third parties uh, on special offer. Our RSPE got some B-Stock sales so if you need something and you don't mind it not being absolutely perfectly brand new in the box just being on demo or something then some deals to look at and uad and waves have also got some great deals so check out the deals page for any and all of the above okay let's move on to our talking points and these are sponsored by Artoria. Hello experts and listeners, Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, so talking point. Uh, we're going to look at some clever new tech from the guys at... Townsend Labs. Now, if you're not completely familiar with their product, it's basically a microphone, a dual capsule microphone that enables you to uh, use a plugin to make that microphone, to make their standard microphone like one of the emulations. So you could make it like an 87, you could make it 414. Loads of the more boutique ones were around. And then uh, a little while ago, we got some post-friendly um, emulations. So now you've got a 416, um, as well as uh, things like a 4038. So you've got some nice broadcast-friendly type uh, emulations. And Julian, there's a new thing that's coming out, some very clever tech that they've been able to use in their sort of emulation software, because it's not just about emulation. It's also about managing polar patterns and off-axis sound. And they seem to have been able to use this to compensate for um, sort of reflection filter type um, side effects, shall we say. Tell us more. 
Uh, well, that's right. Um, we're probably all aware if we've tried one of these kind of uh, reflection filter wrapped around the back of a microphone solutions. And the idea is that it's supposed to form a, an absorbent barrier between all the unwanted off-axis reflections that you get coming back in an, an, an unhelpful room uh, and your mic. And it's supposed to really dry things up and make it sound like a, a vocal booth, a proper vocal booth. Anyone who's tried them knows that isn't really the case. And sometimes, often in my experience, they they introduce just a, a different load of reflections and colour. And it, and it's it's different. Is it better? Personally, I've I, I've always found that I prefer the sound of a, a mic running without one completely. I'm not everyone agrees with me on that, but that's certainly what I've found. This looks really interesting. We ran a story a few weeks ago because uh, we'd found the uh, patent application and we spoke to Townsend Labs and they confirmed that they'd got something in the pipeline that was coming soon that was going to be something that was going to, in software, uh, offer like a a generic solution to these these reflection filter reflections. The the language gets difficult on this, doesn't it? Reflection filter reflections. So they've made a, a filter for reflection filters to get rid of Reflections from reflection filters, <laughs> but they've done it in software. That's the key thing. This is to the point. The, it, it's I have, we haven't seen it yet, but it sounds like it's going to be a button. It's not going to be because uh, 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 there's there's various ways that you could you could potentially do this, and various ways you can in, incorporate a physical element to it as well, which could happen at some point. But that's not what we're expecting to happen. But uh, it's regardless of how it happens, if you can alleviate those problems in a simple way, a non-technical way that somebody somebody doesn't have to doesn't have to be a skilled person to set up or have experience of this kind of thing, that opens up loads and loads of really timely things that we can do, particularly in 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 post, possibly as much or maybe more than in music. So this is why I thought it might be a useful thing to talk about this week when we had uh, you on, Mike, and you as well, Emma. So what what do we think over in that side of uh, the industry? Well, can I ask a question? Um, Because this sounds really fascinating. And like you said, timely, considering what's happening and with so many more home records going on. So would the application be more for the individual recording themselves or the person who's going to clean up said recordings at the other end or both? Well, we haven't seen it. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) It doesn't exist. But um, I think it's fair to assume that it works in the same way as the mic models do. Yeah. And it's n- another setting of that. And if you make a recording with a Townsend Labs Sphere L22, like the microphone bit of the, of that system, then you can track through a mic model and you can have the output of the mic sounding like your U47 or your 4038 or whatever. But you don't have to do it at that stage. You can just track. And as long as you capture two tracks worth of t- two signals basically you need the output from the front and the rear capsules but that's just capturing to two tracks instead of one then you can do it later and you can change it later and you can keep your options open it's just like any other process so i would think that i'd see no reason why it'd be any different it'd just be an extra part of the plugin because everything else runs from the the sphere plugin and that's a free download so anybody who needs it if you were sent some material recorded with a with a sphere sorry, with a Sphere L22, 
which is the microphone, the bit that costs money and is made of, you know, metal and, and things, um, then you can download the anybody can download that plugin and they can they can apply it in post and play with it and strip everything back to just the raw capture and do anything they want with it. It's not that different, actually, from the idea that you get with um uh, if you're working with uh, ambisonics using a tetral tetrahedral array mic it's the same kind of thing of like you've got the capture stage and you've got the processing and they don't have to happen together but they can that was a yeah, long I mean, answer to a short question <laughs> <laughs> i no, mean but it was perfect for me it, my first taste of this was when they started producing these uh post emulations and i got my hands on a mic and was able to and was able to to get to grips, you know, oh, can you use a 416? Um, but of course, as I said earlier, because it's about polar patterns as well as emulation, um, you can create like a 4038 cardioid version, which of course, there's no way you can do that in reality. So you can end up with, with polar patterns uh, of microphones that don't have that polar pattern. Or again, you know, you think about the 414, you know, switch polar patterns where you've got cardioid, soft cardioid, omni, etc. Well, now with with the models that are in the, in the Sphere plugin, um, you can uh, you can get anywhere in between those uh, emul yeah those preset fixed switch uh, polar patterns. And of course, the other thing is you can af you can uh, control the off-axis sound, uh, and again, that's a key part. As we've said in many podcasts, you know, we talked when we talked about spill, or um, that's all about off-axis sound. Um, and so, this really provides a really great idea. And it's what immediately struck me about post, and I think in your world of ADR, Emma, is the idea of putting a microphone in front of the talent. Not worrying about having a, a shotgun and a lav, but just putting the mic up, getting the talent to do what they need to do. And of course, this is really critical in, in these sort of days of lockdowns and social distancing. But to be able to put one microphone up, capture both outputs, and then determine the microphone later. So am I right in saying, in theory, if we did exactly as you've just described, Mike, in post, we could then emulate two microphones from one signal. Yes. That's incredible. The thing that you won't have is you won't have the placement. Because if yeah. you've got a single pass yeah. capture, the mic will be in the same place in both times. So if, you, if you're doing a lav that was supposed to sound like it's on someone's chest, then it won't sound like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to some extent. And, I mean, I suppose it, it depends how you're doing it, just because, I mean... Uh, if uh, if someone's using uh, using a mic like this, they're probably going to be using it unless they're told otherwise in a kind of conventional placement where it's kind of you know nine inches away from their face facing them. Whereas with a four one six, you wouldn't necessarily do that. It'd be used more distant and possibly in a sort of different yeah. orientation. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, oh. I think. Go on. Oh no, um, just totally agree. Yeah, you would have it quite a bit away, but. We do sometimes use two different mics for a distance, which is the Shopes Blue and then usually the 416 or um, the MKH-50. So actually the fact that you could replicate two different boom mics from one signal, that's just, that would be really 
you know, game changing, I suppose. So in that case, it, I mean, it sounds to me like although four and six is is the is an obvious first choice for a post friendly microphone that would find use. There's maybe some other contenders in the same way that in the first batch of models that uh, Townsend did when they first launched the product, there was kind of, you know, there was a, a U47 because they kind of had to be for music users. But yeah. other stuff, there were plenty of other contenders down the line. Um, that's interesting about the Sherps and um, uh, and uh, I, the, the, the lav thing I've never really considered before. But, I mean, uh, uh, you, you get your DPAs, I suppose, for lavs and, uh, I don't know, the Sennheisers. That, do people still use the Mickeys for... Um, for labs, I don't know. They certainly did when I used to do a lot of that kind of sort of corporate audio. But I'm I'm not totally sure how that would translate because that is quite a specific um, use case because the, because the placement's so strange. But it is a key part of the post workflow because so, so, so much uh, both film and TV is now, whether we like it or not, uh, I don't, but uh, whether we like it or not, um, using personal radio mics as a capture device rather than just the boom and so that's the and so that's often what you're having to match in adr is is the is the personal mic um so it would need to be able to at least emulate that and maybe have some form of tweak that could um provide some of those chest resonances although the reality is most of the time we're busily trying to eq those out rather than have them they're they're an undesirable side effect there's (laughs) there's an interesting thing here though just because i mean if it's possible to make a a software filter that undoes reflection filters uh as as we're expecting in 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 this product then I, i don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to make a similar kind of filter to to make um a mic that's placed nine inches away from someone's mouth sound like it's, you know, however far away, meter and a half away, up above their head or or down on their on their on their chest. I yeah, mean, I, it it sounds just as it doesn't sound all that possible to me. But neither does this in the first place. Neither does being able to <laughs> it. see see what I mean. If it's like, well, if we can voodoo this, then why can't we voodoo that as well? But that sounds like something that could be really useful to the post community, being okay. able to send out a kit. Plonk it down in front of you, we'll do the rest, don't worry about it, rather than having to expecting people who aren't trained in that kind of stuff, but have probably seen it before, to be honest, um, say, oh, you know, can you put it up high or, or, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting and stuff that I really hadn't thought about coming from the, the direction that I do onto this tech. So, yeah. But Emma, what about other applications within Post? I mean, sort of, you know, obviously we're having to do more and more acquisition in unusual environments should we say i.e not studios yeah i mean the games community the games recording uh voice recording and audiobooks immediately when you both mentioned this is what i thought of um i think that's it's going to be really useful in those arenas um because what's happening is a lot of the voice actors just aren't coming into the studio they're still working from home um i know not a lot of the big audiobook companies like audible um, since second lockdown has happened are doing more remote recordings so they're sending out kits to the actors um, or the voice talent but you are remote controlling their systems uh, using Source Connect now um, and using like different uh, 
different software to control the the laptop. I can't think of the name of the fucking software. Sorry, it's gone totally out of my head. Is it Team Viewer that you're using, or it's a ver- it's a different version of Team Viewer. It's exactly the same concept. Um, but yeah, so having something like this would be incredible because I kind of I really agree with you, Julian, on. Uh, with filter reflectors uh, on the back of microphones, I hate them. I don't think they work. Uh, I think they give you more problems than you actually, that they actually solve. Mm. But what's happening with the the games and audiobook world is you kind of, they have to be sent out because we don't know the environment that the actors um, and voice talent are recording in. They're the so best thing that there is, although they're not, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you you are eliminating some of the issues, but then you're still actually getting a lot more from these uh, reflection filters. Um, so having something like this, where you can actually just push a button and it undoes all of the horrible stuff that reflection filters does. I think for games and audiobook work, certainly that's going to be a big thing. It's going to save a lot of time as well on the other end. It's 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 trying to standardise something that's inherently not standardised. Yeah. Which I mean, this, the kits sound interesting. Do, do you? I mean, is that some? Is that something that you're involved with directly? I mean, do you know what's in those kits typically? Um, it kind of changes depending on each of the different companies. Um, so everybody, I think every post facility and every audiobook facility, games facility has developed their own kit. So um, usually it's a laptop, then some form of a USB mic. That's the thing that changes depending on you know, who's using it or whose uh, kit it is. If it's not a USB mic, they do have a small preamp that's connected um, to the laptop. And um, mic-wise, again, that changes depending on budget really of the company um, and what they were able to get. Um, And then software-wise, it is usually either Pro Tools or Reaper, which personally, feckin' hate Reaper, Pro Tools girl, all the way. Um, But Reaper is free. So that's, the software that they tend to have. Um, and then they will have a reflection filter as well, obviously on the, around the mic or else one of those, um, oh God, do you know the big, huge fluffy foam things that everybody was buying at the start of the first lockdown and they sold out completely everywhere. And again, their name has gone totally out of my head. What do you mean a Ryko? Not a Ryko. Um, they're more foam. It was a foam, the foam thing that you put the microphone inside. You know, exactly, a, yeah. Yes, and I can't remember the, the name of them either. But yes, it's a huge foam sphere yeah. that you put the mic inside. Oh, and, I don't know. And it, it, it's supposed to, again, it's the, it's the same sort of concept of trying to dry up uh, and to reduce the uh, room effects. Oh, you're talking about a reflection filter? No, it, well, it is. The, but the, it, is it, it the halo that thing? No, no. It's it is literally a sphere of foam. Oh, right. I don't. And know the this mic thing. goes right <laughs> up in the middle of it. Okay, that sounded dodgy as feck, Mike. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, that's exactly it, Julian. Okay, it, it sounds so, really bizarre. So I mean, it's I, I've not done any. Um, I've not done any audio book recording or anything something that that it just just a question is do, do people tend to monitor themselves when they're doing a read like that when it's not you know synced to anything they don't need to hear a cue they're just doing a just doing a read do they just monitor you or do they monitor the output of their own microphone typically they they monitor themselves so the engineer will obviously 
stay on mute and only mm. talk when they need to. Um, but they are monitoring themselves. But we're there as backup to to control the level mm. if we need and, you know, help them on the technical side. Okay. Okay. I just uh, – I'm – I was wondering about that just because of the uh, uh, the USB mic thing, and that can be awkward depending on which one you've got. Because while you yeah. can listen to playback, it can be quite particularly with Pro Tools. It can be awkward to because you haven't got separate control of the input versus output device in the uh, in the playback engine. So yeah, bit of a personal bugbear of mine. Pro Tools <laughs> is awkward with uh, some USB microphones. <laughs> Oh, well, look, it comes back to a bugbear of mine, which is I feckin' hate remote recording. But uh, yeah. I sure, I suppose we're we're in this situation and we're not getting out of it anytime soon, so no. may as well embrace it. No, and of course, the great thing about that is you, you do have control. It's not as though you're sending out a piece of kit and then waiting for the recording to come back. Mm. You actually can uh, see and hear and can control the software remotely. So, again, it also means that the talent hasn't got to... Uh, to learn a whole load of new tech it's literally just press the button it boots up um and and away you go so uh being able to actually remote control i mean it's it's another one of those back in the day moments i i remember in the very very early days of remote access into computers um we would install a dial-up phone phone line now obviously in a in a in a business that was usually an extension of a line with a dedicated modem on the end of it. This now starts to date it. And then you could dial into that modem. It was software called Timbuk2. Um, and you could dial into that software and then con control the computer uh, remotely. And it was absolutely brilliant for remote tech support because could you could not only see the screen that they were looking at but you could see everything and obviously control the mouse and move it around but i remember the first once or twice it, it i did it people will say look come and look at this it's doing it by itself yeah. <laughs> you know it's like but my, yes my early experience of remote desktop in looking after labs full of macs and just being able to dial into somebody's computer and just start yeah. moving stuff around on their desktop and wait till they noticed. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think I've just got like a, a PTSD thing about um, remote software because I used to work in a facility where the owner would check in on all of the staff by remote logging into their systems while they were in the middle of working. And it felt always like a little bit big brotherish it's a bit creepy. Yeah. 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 yeah so i i think that's part of my psyche about remote recording is just i feel like i'm invading someone's privacy and i don't mm. like it yeah, yeah you need to tell them that you're there and it's not strict yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so just thinking about i mean considering you know the the the, the top line if you like of townsend labs is uh, virtual mic locker full of great mic models um we've, we've covered we've covered some of the obvious ones uh but with your um uh, with your experience of uh of that kind of work emma i mean uh, we've got 416 uh we've got uh a, a kind of a new non-vintage 87 um yeah. what do they what do they need in there to for ev all, everything that you you'd ever need I'm, I'm guessing it's not gonna be a lot but it's gonna be quite specific yeah i mean mike hit it on the head there with um lav mics or personal mics at the moment if you're on like a drama set um like i've been working back out working at eastenders um and eastenders all of the actors are micing themselves up with lav mics and we're using the boom mics less and less 
So I think an emulation of a lav mic like a, a DPA 4060 or a Sanken Cos 11 would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, those are the two right. well yeah. popular ones these days. Yeah. And then boom And mic. then what else, other than the ubiquitous 416, which they've already done, what what's the current flavour for, for boom mics now? Uh, it's the Shopes Blue, which, again, is not a personal favourite of mine, but everybody seems to love it. Still slightly convinced it's because it's blue and not because of the sound, but anyways. Mm. Um, and the MKH50 is another one. Yeah. Um, that would be amazing to have. So um, for voiceover, you think you think eighty seven covers it? Yeah. Um, TLM one hundred three. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think what else did well in the. Enough four. There's four one four would be the obvious, the other one. Oh, but there's more than more than a couple of four one fours already in the. Uh... Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So they've got that pretty covered. I yeah. suppose it's the. Um, um, that's a big overlap with music users anyway. So getting us to specific stuff, but yeah, lav mics and. Uh, and um, that's a kind of an, an area they could move into if they wanted to. But it sounds like everything's it sounds like everything's kind of pointing in a particular direction, circumstantially, from from what I'm hearing. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that you weren't you weren't really aware of it, and that does suggest that it hasn't really touched your world yet, Emma. Um, the Townsend yeah. stuff and modelling and. Hmm. No, I'd never come across it until you told me about it today, which is disappointing because it seems like such a good solution for what we need right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Conservative okay, yeah. bunch in, in post. Yeah. yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. well, you've given us a politer term. I would say that we're stubborn as feck and we don't change. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're yeah. welcome to say that. <laughs> Okay, well, I will think we probably need to move on just now. So, uh, Julian, what's the status of competitions this month? Throughout November, with the support of Accentize, we're offering the opportunity to win one of three prizes, the Complete Bundle, Speech Restoration Bundle, or D-Room Pro. Uh, our friends over at Universal Audio are giving away an Apollo Twin X-Quad interface plus a UAD Custom 3 bundle worth over £1,500 to one lucky winner, no, this competition ends on November the 20th, so you haven't got long. Uh, check out the win page for more details as well as some competitions uh, our partners are running. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, so find of the week. Julian, what's yours? Uh, mine is a Heritage Audio HA609A, which uh, it's, uh, it's a 33609, but uh, made by Heritage Audio, so it costs under half of what a 33609 does. And uh, I really like it. It's, uh, it's, not a, it's not a clone, but it's pretty close. Uh, I've used the 33609, and the main difference, actually, is, is the knobs. Uh, everything else is is very similar indeed. Um, yeah, I mean it's it does everything that a diode bridge compressor does, and I'm a big fan of diode bridge compression. So yeah, brilliant thing. Got something going up on the site in the next couple of days. So look out for that. It's a it's a it's a nice thing. 
So diode bridge, diode bridge compressors, was that the sort of technology that uh, was behind something like the, 22, the Neve 2254? The, the very same. There's a really nice ah, video well case, of, very of Rupert nice. Neve. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a video of Rupert Neve explaining the story behind this. And Do you remember the old Pi compressors? Uh, yes. Waves users all know these because there is a plug-in, but it's got that familiar... Um, kind of square format mm. that the twenty the twenty two fifty four has. Yeah. Um, basically, what happened was that uh, um, Neve. This is proper proper early days of Neve, uh, but they'd provide ATV television in the UK with mm. with some consoles. They were using a Pi. They were using Pi compressors, and uh, they were having reliability problems with them because they ran too hot. So they asked. Neve, whether they could produce something that would fit into the same slot that would work better. And it came up with uh, what became the 2254. And that's why it's that shape, because it fits mm. into one of their consoles. In um, That gave way r relatively soon. I mean, uh, how long were they? No, no, I think they were around through the 70s, 2054. I think the 33609 launched in, I know this, 85. But it's pretty much the same thing, but yeah. stereo format, 19-inch rack mount rather than the awkward yeah. shape. But, yeah, yeah diode bridge um, was a way of doing solid-state compression. Uh, the, and basically it's, it's, what, it, it's what you should be using VCAs for, but VCAs hadn't been invented yet, so it was a way to do it. Mm. This is probably why there wasn't many of them, because VCAs kind of worked better technically, but... There's something nice about this diode bridge design. It sounds kind of... Well, I, I love my 2254. And in many respects, it's one of those things that I regret selling. And mm. you know, so I moved totally into the box. And it's like, well, I can get real money for this. So uh, so did sell it. Yeah, but, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, yeah. But it was, but it was, it's the speed because, uh, yeah, it was, um, there the weren't that many options in those days. You had, no. you had, leaving valves aside, particularly if you want it to run cool, um, you had FET, which mm. bit mungy, distortion, all the rest of it, the things that people really like them for. But if you're looking for a transparent compressor, it's not it. Uh, mm. Optical, very transparent, but not fast enough. And VCAs hadn't yet been invented, but they came along very soon afterwards. I don't know when the DBX160 came out, but I think that was one of the early ones. And um, but that was kind of I don't know early early to mid seventies, mm. was it? So I you know, was, but, so yeah. I, I asked Mike, expecting him to remember. No, well, I, yeah, I'm just now struggling. I, I did know the answer to that question, um, and I will be able to answer that question with a few clicks of your <laughs> mouse. But yeah, it's like um, it's one of those things that was replaced by a more convenient alternative, and VCA kind of yeah, pretty much every compressor is VCA these days if it isn't a software compressor. But there was something good about diode bridge, but it was less convenient, so it kind of yeah got to some extent sort of forgotten about. Mm. Which I notice when you, there's loads and loads of I don't think quite good enough articles online about the different types of compression. And the, a lot of them will talk about the four kinds of compression and they never mention diode bridge. I counted recently and I think there's seven different ways of doing compression, but, you know, maybe that's an article for another day. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, Emma, what's your finder this week? Well, I struggled uh, to get it down to one. Um, so my two toss-ups were <laughs> uh, Nugent's Paragon, which Tom Lowe has done a very excellent article about on the Pro Tools Expert website. Um, so I decided not to have that as my find of the week and instead go for Audio Kids Undertone, 
um, go for the underdogs, I thought. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know it, it basically creates um, ambience fill or dialogue fill. It's really, really handy if you're doing a dialogue edit. Um, it Basically, it's similar to Oryx ambience match. Um, but personally, I find this is a lot more useful. Um, it gives your, your ambience more movement and makes it feel it's not static. It makes it feel like you're actually there in the room. Um, I love Oryx. I love their products or Rx, as I should Yay! say. <laughs> we weren't going to say anything. <laughs> no, you weren't. That's because you're too afraid to after uh, I complain about all the ores in this show so much. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I love their products. Uh, they're great, but I've always found that ambience match has just been hit and miss. And a lot of the times I actually just, I can't use what it gives me. Um, and so far, I've only had a few days of playing around with Undertone. And so far it's been incredible. Like I had a, a show yesterday. It's going to be an art installation piece for for broadcast. Um, and there's a, a shot of a guy who is doing an art installation piece within a glass box, a Perspex glass box. And we want to stay with him for the duration of his art piece. But we didn't have a lot of the tone of the actual box. And using undertone, I was able to create so much atmosphere atmosphere because he's in there for five hours and we don't show the full five hours but we show huge chunks of it so I needed a good chunk of uh, atmos and it was just spot on what it gave me it gave me some movement it didn't just feel like I'd stuck in a room tone in the back of it um, and yeah can't recommend it enough uh, it's not break the bank expensive either I think it's under 200 pounds last time I checked um, so yeah well worth uh, well worth investing in Great. Mike, what's yours? Uh, so mine is uh, an article, well, something I spotted and, and put up uh, this week uh, on the site. And uh, worthy of note, uh, DPA and Ryko got together and they're offering a free mic package to three indie or low-budget film projects. So if you're... It's so often the case, with, especially with low-budget, is... Um, the sound ends up being the one that gets compromised. Yeah, they find enough money to get a decent camera or some description and then expect the sound to be captured to a similar quality on uh, budget equipment, shall we say. So this is a really neat uh, offer to help bring up the quality of some of the indie productions. So you need to apply. Um, you need to meet some criteria. Uh, but... Ultimately, if you are the uh, successful or one of three successful projects, then you will get this uh, kit of DPA uh, mics and uh, Rycroat um, technology uh, to enable you to make sure at least it's getting down the microphone particularly well. And again, then after that, recorders are less of a problem. It's you know it's always with these situations. It's getting the best quality capture on the microphone and then the the tech that actually records the material is kind of a bit less critical um so there are plenty of cost effective field recorders now but um getting a decent set of mics um having a a, a selection of dpas is going to make a huge difference to somebody's production so if you've got an indie uh, production on the horizon, um, then well worth checking this out. Uh, and we'll put a link in the podcast article re 
uh, pointing back to the article that I put together over the weekend um, and uh, sign up. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain if you're one of the three uh, projects that are selected. Okay, and on that note, uh, we have run out of time. So it's uh, good night from me. It's good night from me. And good night from me. Good night.